0: and fulfillment let's get started with soul talk welcome back folks welcome back to another very special episode of the soul talk podcast Uh, i've been looking forward very much to my guest today Uh, as a resident of los angeles for 20 plus years i have heard so much actually so many amazing uh, things about my guest today People have raved to me about him, and I thought, we have to have him on the Soul Talk podcast. Uh, He's vibrant. He's electric. He's vital. Celebrated third-generation yogi, master spiritual teacher, author, musician, who gracefully brings ancient spiritual practices and technologies, fuses Eastern mysticism, Western pragmatism in an accessible and transformative way. Welcome to Soul Talk, Guru Singh welcome um
1: uh, bless you and thank you for thank you for having me i love uh i love the enthusiasm and i, I love actually the title of your podcast as well mm-hmm. someone has to speak for the soul right in this world yes, of, yes. this world of matter
0: yes yeah i wanted it to, the, the podcast to not just be more of the same i wanted it to be about how do we really live from the soul aligned with the soul's Surrender to the soul, you know, and so that's why I'm really excited to have you on. Honestly, uh, so many people have told me uh, beautiful things about you, and you know, just just to start, there's a lot of questions I have. I, I really want to to kind of pick your soul, not just your brain, uh, <laughs> and, and get it, and just you know, uh, marinate in the richness of your experience in this lifetime. And uh, for those that may not know of you, would love just a, just a little background, you know, of your of your journey. I know you're a third generation yogi, so sounds like you were born into it. But tell me a bit about how, how does that translate into teaching and music and writing books and teacher trainings and you know, becoming the, the master spiritual teacher. Well, tell me a bit about that journey, just to set a context and then let's let's dive in.
1: Excellent. The um, I'll go back in time. My great-aunt in uh, 1913 left Britain and Wales uh, because of the onset of the First World War. And she wanted to get as far away from it as possible. She got to South Africa, and that didn't suit her. So she traveled to Calcutta, India. And it was in Calcutta in 1916 that she met Swami Sri Yukteswar. And for anyone who has read the book, Autobiography of a Yogi, we all know that Swami Sri Yukteswar was Paramahansa Yogananda's Yogananda's guru, his teacher. And so she studied with uh, Swami Sri Yukteswar Giri uh, for several years while knowing Paramahansa Yogananda. And then Swamiji asked if she would accompany mm-hmm. Paramahansa to America wow. in 1919. And she said that she would and got so dedicated to it that she literally served um, the Self-Realization Fellowship and Paramahansa Yogananda directly until his death in 1952. So I was born into this family that was deeply influenced by my great aunt, my grandfather's sister on my mother's side. And so before I was even born, she was influencing my mother and father. And then in 1945, when I was born, I was born into this influence. And so we were basically a practitioner of Kriya Yoga and followers of Swami Sri Yukteswar's teachings. And, you know, they go back even before him, before, you know, Paramahansa, Swami Sri Yukteswar, and goes all the way back to a great figure named Babaji who was downloading it out of the cosmos. So that's the deep background. Then the current background is that or the more current background is that, from there I, you know, went through school always the odd guy, mm-hmm. and musician from the age of five. Um, so I used music and and theater to get over my odd guy uh, moniker, if you will. Mm. And um, but I was also deeply involved in yoga meditation from small actually as early as i can remember in my life mm. this was a part of my life so then in in 1969 um after i had uh you know gone through a whole process that is depicted in a book that i wrote called buried treasures mm. um i started kundalini yoga mm. and have been working with Kriya Yoga and Kundalini Yoga and Mantra and Sound and Music and Art and everything ever since. Mm. I guess the most profound event of my life, other than my marriage and birth and my children, was that at the age of 20 in 1965, I was rushed to a hospital with a a ruptured appendix. Mm. Uh, And uh, they got the appendix out, but they didn't get all of the the uh, toxicity out of my abdomen. And so peritonitis set in and I actually died in the hospital wow. and it took, them a, an, it took them a minute and 45 seconds, according to the medical records, hospital records for them to revive me with defibrillator paddles. And uh, that then started a whole journey because my experience when I was out of life, out of breath, out yeah. of heartbeat, Gave me uh, such a profound insight into the structure of the of the cosmos that I've spent the rest of my life trying to uh, put it all back into words so that I can wow. express it to others. So when I saw the name Soul talk, I thought I got that. I, you know, I, I I've got that <laughs> in my world too. So oh, thank you awesome. for thank you for being there.
0: Oh, that's awesome. What when you had this. Death experience. Can you tell t- tell me a bit about what 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 was your experience? What what happened? I'm curious about what you saw, what you felt, and perhaps you can share with us some of the understanding of the nature of life and reality that came through during that moment.
1: Yes, um, the. And I, and I like thank you for saying the death experience because I disagree with the nomenclature near-death experience. This was yes. not, this was not, and nobody's is. It is not a near-death experience. It is a mm. death experience from which you return. <laughs> <laughs> so it shouldn't be called an NDE. It should be, it should have a different acronym. Mm. However, uh, back to point. Um, the first of all, um, I literally just floated out of my body, which is, uh, from my experience and from my communication with a lot of other people that have had a similar situation, even if it was instantaneous, it felt like a complete disappearance of time, mm. uh, not an immediate disappearance of space. So in the disappearance of time you tend to feel like you're floating in the non in the not immediate disappearance of space you still have an association with the things that are around you people that are around you your own body so i literally was on the ceiling if you will of the hospital room Looking down at my body, looking down at my mother and my father who were beside me, and then seeing the doctors, ru- you know, come rushing in, and then I started to have a a, a semi experience, I would say, of the defibrillator shock. You know, they, they bring you back in with a with a high intensity uh, electric shock, mm. uh, and that. <clears throat> i wrote about in my book was like these scrambling tiger claws reaching up from the paddles and finding my awareness on the ceiling of the room and trying to thrust it back into my body mm. that was that was my literal um, if you will literary uh, interpretation of what was happening mm. and I was in there for a moment and then bounced back out. They lost me a couple of times in the process, and in that, in that second loss uh, where they actually said, and I can remember them saying, we've lost him. Mm. I rolled out beyond the hospital room into what would be called deep, deep black. Mm. The literal presence of no light whatsoever. And in that deep black was becoming icier and icier cold. Mm. I felt like I was skating on ice almost. And I noticed this long, and this is all written about in the book, uh, this long sort of river of souls traveling Mm. out towards this distant, destination of which i couldn't see i mean it was like magnitudes of of distance were were unimaginable and there's and therefore not comprehensible mm. and so this river of souls that extended out into what seemed like forever also had a sound and that sound was Quite haunting, if you will, and I don't say haunting in a bad sense. It was like it was like a musical score that that sort of grabs you and seduces you into its uh, into its embrace, if if that makes sense. Mm. And it attracted me, and as I got closer to this river of souls, I somehow felt that they were going someplace that I wasn't supposed to go. But then some of them started to yell out at me uh, with some inviting and some were accusatory. Like you promised, you know, you said you would be with me forever. You know, all these kinds of things coming from faces that, uh, you know, distorted sensing faces that I wasn't um, I wasn't recognizing. And so in the process of that, I kind of slid, skated uh, away from that river and turned around and just looked across the distance and out in the very, very, very far distance, I saw a flicker of light. And so I started moving toward it. And literally all this takes place in Earth time, one minute, 45 seconds. To me, it seemed like an endless period of time. No, no measurements at all. Wow. And so, I, if if I can use the metaphor, I skated on this kind of slippery non-surface. There was no bottom to it, but it just felt like you were sliding mm. toward this light. And as I gathered closer to the light. Mm. I found that it was, in fact, a campfire surrounded by indigenous elders. Mm. Now, I had been a yogi for my entire life. And so it wasn't like I had a background with the indigenous people.
0: Mm.
1: And as I approached that fire, I suddenly found myself being engaged off and on By different members from around the fire, primarily the eldest male figure and the youngest female figure who appeared to be in, you know, somewhere in the teenage years. And I myself was 20 years old at the time in Earth time. And, you know, they engaged me, they engaged me in conversation. I complained about, I didn't want to be dying, was I dead? Um, you know, they kept telling me that it was my choice, whether whether I was to go back or to or to, you know, move on. It was my choice. But if I did choose to go back, I had to stop being such a imposter mm. that I wasn't living my life. I was living the life that was being assigned by my surroundings. And, you know, I argued and I really didn't understand much, a lot of this until years later, when it all started to make even more sense. And that's when I actually wrote the book, that in life, there are different parts of our being that are, some are influenced from our deep soul talk, our, our deep soul conversation, But much more of it is influenced by the conversations that we're having with our intellect, with our intelligence, with someone else's intellect, with the rules of society that surrounds us, with the expectations of the people around us. All of these things are influencing the character of who we are. And what I was being told was, that under that influence i wasn't being myself but i was being an impostor and that the purpose of my life was not to be an impostor not to live by the impositions of others but but to live by the position of myself and so this was this was you know like crazy information that i was having to absorb and not understand, but I didn't resist the absorption, which was very, I feel very fortunate, because I retained that that sensation after I came back, and literally they told me, they said, okay, go back, it's not gonna be easy, and it's gonna be a struggle, and even once you get yourself firmly back in the body, you're still gonna be struggling because you know, you've, you've experienced a trauma mm-hmm. and you've got these imposed habits that are causing you not to be alive as you, mm-hmm. but to be alive as what is expected of you, mm-hmm. not just by the people around you, but by the society around you, by the world around you, by the culture around you, by all of those things that surrounds each and every one of us. Are we being ourselves within that? And they told me that will be a navigation. That the navigation of that difference between accommodating the expectation and living by your own projection is going to be a very important navigation. Because if you set up too, re- too much resistance by by um, disregarding the expectations, then that will cause you great pain and trouble. Mm -hmm. And so it's a matter of working with what I call the ratios. The ratios of what is my inner sense, which is also I use as innocence. Mm -hmm. What is my innocence? And what is my Outer sense. What is the sensation that is around me in the expectations of others? My wife and I have two children. We have three, four grandchildren. We have all of these, um, people that are around us. We then have students. We then have associates. We then have, you know, partners. We then have, you know, the world at large. How do we both work with all of these expectations Mm. while still serving our inner sense Mm -hmm. our innocence and so that is kind of a thumbnail sketch of this experience um, as it refers to kind of the the way in which the soul has to navigate life Mm -hmm. because the soul is in a body. But also the soul is connected to infinity. Mm. And the physics of infinity, the science of infinity, is that infinity is holographic. It is infinite in its parts, and it's infinite in its whole. In other words, you can't divide it, you can't add to it, you can't subtract from it, you can't multiply it that's the uniqueness about infinity it's it's represented in mathematics by the the number zero right yes mm-hmm. you add zero to anything it doesn't change you divide by zero it becomes zero you multiply by zero it becomes zero so infinity if you think of infinity as zero it's very much like that like the like the laws of zero there's a great book called zero Uh, And it's about how there were great battles fought, you know, intellectual battles fought over whether or not to introduce zero as a numeral into mathematics. (laughs) And so that that physics of infinity, that it's infinite everywhere always, literally means that in every moment, not only do you have what you are experiencing as reality, But you also have everything else as a possibility. Mm -hmm. So you could reconstruct a moment out of the dominant influences being what people would be considering to be reality and introducing the inert and non-dominant influences from the physics of infinity. That's what would be called alchemy. And that alchemy is what you have in your life, I have in my life. It's what we construct tomorrow out of today. And it is in some ways how we remember, how we remember yesterday, because we oftentimes remember our past through the filter of what it is that we are in the present moment. So I'll stop there and, and let you um, come back with whatever else, you know, cause it's uh, cause it, i could just talk forever. Yeah. You
0: know. Wow, infinity. I, I really was struck when you talked when you said the soul is connected to infinity. Mm. You know, in, in yeah, in this human experience, Guru Singh, like for so many of us we feel so limited mm. and and I guess I was going to say you know why is that you know if 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 we are really infinite in nature yet in this human experience we seem to have forgotten um I guess we'll, two questions in one why do we forget you know what what why do we forget that easily and how do we begin, Let, let's say, how do we begin to uh, awaken to that infinity in a way where we can live it, uh, to be able to live that infinity in this body, yeah, in this life, as a husband, as a wife, with kids, You know, you're not some person in a mountaintop, like a wife, two kids, you're living it in life. And so how to awaken to that infinity in just daily living?
1: Really, really well-versed question. And it gives me a lot of openings to, Mm -hmm. to enter through. First of all, We do not actually forget. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We just fail to remember. Mm -hmm. The memory is always there with us. That we are infinite. We are an infinite force in a finite vessel. And it's almost as if the soul body and the physical body are at two ends of the spectrum Mm. and we're in between as the witness. The aboriginals of, of Australia would say, they're not the dream and they're not the dreamer, but they're the dreaming. And the way I look at it is that I'm not the experience and I'm not the experiencer I am the experiencing. And so we fade in and out. In some moments, the ratio of soul memory is really high. And oftentimes the ratio of soul memory when it comes to really high is, is when we are uh, falling. Uh, we might be falling in love. We might be falling asleep. We might be falling into a uh, into a moment of inspiration. But it always feels like a falling kind of thing. And that's the, what I was mentioning earlier, is when sort of time is separated from space and we feel this floating kind of sensation. You often feel it as you're going to sleep at night. Mm. And... When you, for example, also on the other side of things, when you fall in love, you cannot really express why. Yes. You will put up examples of why. (laughs) Oh, I love the way you speak. Oh, I love the way you this. Oh, I love. None of them actually have anything to do with the sensation. Because the sensation of love is experiencing the love that is always there. But because in this moment you feel safe around this person, you are now accusing this person of being the reason why you are in love. Mm. But it isn't. They just simply made you feel safe enough that you could experience the love that is always everywhere, all around you. The universe, the physical universe, is filled with the fertilization of love. And it is what nourishes life itself. And so, when we are in some of those moments, we tend to feel like we are remembering the soul. And oftentimes, you know, great poets, reading poetry is also a a falling into it. You get into your imagination. Reading good books, good prose, you, you get into it, it's in your imagination. I also have the experience when when I come up with ideas of how to express something how to explain something I feel that same sensation of this endlessness you know the physics of infinity mm. so great ideas as I would refer to that experience have have for many many centuries been called you know some of the some of the things that are the most profound um, the um, the people who have worked with these energies of of, um, sort of the pathway between remembering and not remembering, Mm. oftentimes were great musicians, great composers. Sometimes, oftentimes were great artists. Mm. Oftentimes were inventors. So Bach and Mozart, Rembrandt and Van Gogh, Edison, Tesla, Einstein—all were practitioners of that deep remembering. Mm. In in the in the brainwave scientific version of this would be the rate at which your brain is turning on and turning off, because the brain doesn't doesn't view life as a continuum. It views life through frames. It turns on, turns off, and it captures moments. And the rate at which the brain is best Mm. in remembering is called alpha or theta. Alpha is deep relaxation, and theta is the dream time or deep meditation. The active state of the brain is called beta, and then the greater activity is super beta, and then the hyperactivity is called gamma. Mm. Gamma is Mm. where you can float into a zone, but it is stimulated by either competition or combat, so it's actually a kind of a, it's a dangerous place, and people that get stuck in the gamma state are what are called um, people that are suffering from PTSD, But scientifically, what we are talking about, the initial statement of your question, why do we forget? Why don't we remember? The ability to remember is the ability to literally open up the brain, the wave patterns, and and consume more of each moment within each framing of the brain. And that allows us to explore those areas with our conscious curiosity, that explorer that lives inside of us, and that little explorer that lives inside of us that is that is consciously curious about you know the structure of love or the structure of of uh, you know a particular inspiration or the structure of a relation of another relationship. All of these things are working together to literally orchestrate that remembering with the initial state of your question. And in that remembering, it's not the same for everyone. It has all of the different flavors and all of the different colors and all of the different sounds that one would think would demonstrate whoever they are, their most pleasurable circumstance, Mm. the best sounds they've ever heard, the most vibrant colors they've ever seen, the most incredible tastes that they've ever had, the aromas that they've ever smelled. That's the state of remembering. And you think about the word remembering, it means to remember again. It yeah. means, means to be a member of yourself again.
0: Mm. I love that. I love that. For those that may be experiencing, um, let's say, lots of uncertainty, I mean, the whole planet is going through a lot of changes over the last year. And so for those that may be experiencing uh, dealing with uncertainty in life within themselves... Uh, feelings of fear uh, anxiety uh, I'm curious to hear your guidance uh, for those that are maybe feeling gripped in in the moments of fear as we're dealing with so much uncertainty and change on the planet how do we how do we navigate that? How do we uh, find in the midst of the changing world that, stillness inside and deal with the fear? Give us some guidance there.
1: Beautiful. The one thing to remember, as I said just a moment ago, in the physics of infinity, everything is everywhere always. Mm. So in the moment of anxiety, also present is everything else. Love is present. You just can't, you're not able to see it. Uh, Joy is present. you're, You're not able to feel it. Everything is present in every moment. What is our sensory system experiencing? What is our internal senses experiencing? Are our internal senses experiencing what our outer senses, the five senses, feeding it, or can we get outside of the, what the five senses are feeding us, and or get inside, outside, inside, whichever you want to think of it as, mm-hmm. and are we then able to reconcile the experience? For example, there are people who can go through a dental experience without novocaine because they talk about how they can self-hypnotize and they're not in the dental chair when the dentist is working on them. They're out, whatever, picking flowers. They're out walking in the in the wilderness, in the forest, what happened. That ability of self-hypnosis is a, uh, an extreme version of what we really all need to do in this time of COVID. And, out of the, and, and remember that out of any large pandemic arises a renaissance. You look back in the history of humanity, the most recent of which was obviously the, the, the flu, uh, pande- the flu pandemic of the 1919. And then out of that rose the Roaring Twenties, a renaissance in music and a renaissance in, in art. Uh, out of that came the impressionistic artists. Out of that came jazz music, uh, big band music. Out of that came so many things. Out of that came the labor movement with labor unions and and gathering together in collective agreements. And out of that came women's suffrage, the women's right to vote. So go back even further and you see the bubonic plague. And out of that time came the renaissance that we speak of quite often in the renaissance of music and art and so on, so many things, science, the Gutenberg Press, publishing, all of these things arose from that incredibly dark time. So then I look at the dark dark times that we are experiencing now, and I say, okay, these are the the dark times that are sitting in my dental chair while my tooth is being drilled.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: Let me focus on what's going to be born out of these dark times. Also, let me not ignore the fact that I've got to hold still so that the drilling doesn't get crazy. But let me also be very contemplative of the value that's going to come off in the new renaissance. And so I know that because of the physics, I repeat, the physics of infinity, Mm -hmm. is that everything is everywhere always. Therefore, the renaissance of the future is here right now, I just have to help it unfold. The yes. flower of the bud or the plant of the seed is within the bud and within the seed, we just need to fertilize it with time so that it can unfold.
0: Mm. Mm. And beautiful. beautiful. And
1: so what I what I'm what I'm saying is we don't ignore what it is that's going on. We don't put our head in the sand. We don't operate in ignorance. Yes. What we do is we, in addition to what is going on, in addition to the horrendous Mm -hmm. nature of the pandemic, we also employ the hope that is about to arrive in the birthing of the new Renaissance. Mm -hmm. And in preparation for that birthing, I have a lot of ideas. You have a lot of ideas. The other person has a lot of ideas. We can use those ideas to help stimulate our inspiration and enthusiasm in the troubled moment.
0: Mm -hmm. Beautiful. It's a powerful time. Yeah, really, uh, it's powerful to get that uh, reframe and perspective that out of any uh, out of past pandemics, a renaissance has been has been birthed. Um, for someone exactly. who, let's, let's say, Guru Singh, in this time, maybe they've lost. Uh, you know, a lot of folks have maybe lost a person, or they've the the loss could have been uh, the loss of a dream. You know, we had all these plans for 2020, and things fell by the wayside, and so the loss of a dream, the loss of a business. And maybe they're not feeling uh, uh, hopeful mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, we could even say, like, they're not feeling abundant, mm-hmm. yes? They're, they're, they're feeling stuck in a loop of scarcity, like there's not mm-hmm. enough and, oh, my God, and contracted in scarcity. And for, for, for someone that's in that space, you know, maybe they're dealing with real, real realities of how the hell am I going to pay the rent? And so, h- how to cultivate the feeling, or activate abundance in one's life? That flow to bring oneself into that flow of abundance when physical reality doesn't seem to be um, providing much evidence, shall we say? Yeah. And yeah. and so mm-hmm. and so for that person who might say, "It's great, like yes, yoga, meditation, but I'm broke." You, know, you see. Guru saying, "I'm broke, coot. This 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 human experience isn't fun. I I feel no abundance in my life. How can they bring themselves into the flow?"
1: Yes, that's so real, so very real. I know firsthand. um, Before, let me take you through a a brief chronology. About two weeks before the pandemic hit in mid March. Um, in my world of kundalini yoga, a scandal erupted around my teacher, Yogi Bhajan. Mm. And suddenly, all of my teaching was threatened because I was teaching what people were saying was completely a corrupt science Mm. because that man was corrupt so all these scandals came out yes yes so that's step number 1 <laughs> step number 2 so i'll i'll get to the navigation in a moment let me set it up first step number 2 2 weeks later i, I and literally i have i have between 150 and 200 students that were in two of my teacher trainings that were 10 month courses right we were 7 months in and many of them said we want our money back well wow. you know we're talking we're talking tens hundreds of thousands of dollars right mm. we want our money back we want this is fraudulent this is a scam so put that aside for a moment 2 weeks later pandemic hits mm. so now not only has a scandal hit my life but I can no longer teach in person mm. we have to do everything online like you and I are talking now mm. and this is this is this is getting worse this isn't getting better and my wife and I looked at each other and we we said okay we've been teaching this for long enough we better practice what we teach yes mm. practice what you preach so I went into a deep, deep meditative state over days that I was working. There is a way through. That I know there is a way through. I just don't see it. Mm. Show it to me. Oh, infinite creative force, whatever you want to. If you're a Christian, Jesus. If you're a Buddhist, the Buddha. If you're a Muslim, you know, inshallah. You, you just are working with so much Faith and attitude and even some anger. Yes. Yeah. Mm. That hey, this is messed up. This isn't real. This isn't right. We this can't be. <laughs> okay? And then it gets worse. My main teaching partner here in Seattle comes down with COVID and it hits him like crazy hard. Wow and his wife, they're both taken out of commission. He ends up dying,
0: his wow. wife
1: ends up surviving, and now not only am I mourning the loss of livelihood, but the loss of one of my best and closest friends and associates for that I have known since the 70s. I have known this man and worked with this man for decades. Wow. So I don't say these things Mm. lightly without experience. Mm. I then said, okay, you're not going to be dead to me. You may not be available around me, but I am going to dedicate much of what I'm doing to the memory and work with me from the spirit side. Work with me, you know. And I just created all of these call them imaginary friend attitudes, if you will, but they they work because they can bring you out of a pretty dark spot. And my wife and I said, okay, the current system of teaching isn't going to support us, isn't going to be there for us. And we created a new system around the same science. We we relabeled it as Kundalini University and I went way back in the history books so that nothing could be said. It was made up by that scam, sc- that scoundrel, uh, Yogi Bhajan. And I reformatted and reproduced my skill set. So mm-hmm. if somebody is in the world, they've lost their job, they're going to have to rebrand themselves. And the whole world is looking for the rebrand because nothing is the same as it used to be, and believe us, nothing is going to go back to the way it was. I mean, it's going to it's going to stop being so crazy as it is right now, but we are living in the new future. I'm not talking about just masks and social distancing, but the way business is done. More business is going to be self-initiated. More business is going to be what skills do you have that you can share with many. I have talked to so many people that were working jobs that were just a routine that paid their bills. And now that they have been freed up from their routine because they either lost their job or they're working from home, they have decided that they're going to live in their inspiration rather than in their desperation. And that's a big exercise. You got to take a lot of walks. You got to do a lot of swimming, do a lot of climbing the hills, take some bike rides, you know, play Mm. with your dog, your children, do whatever it takes to get you out of the headspace of desperation Mm. and puts you into even just for a few moments, the headspace of inspiration. So you don't have to be a big meditator. You don't have to be a big yogic practitioner. You can just do normal everyday human things, but do them with zest and gusto. I have a great friend who has a podcast like yours, Rich Roll. Mm. And, you know, he's an extreme athlete. And when he gets into these positions of being, you know, down because of what's happening around him, he goes out for a hundred mile bike ride, right? Mm. You don't have to go to that extreme, but you may just go out there and get on a bike, or you may just go out there and take a long walk. Or you may go out there and just go for a swim. And I'll give you another couple of practical things. One is cold water. You want to change your mood, change your reaction to the temperature, and take a cold water shower or a cold water bath. Go jump in a a cold lake. Go jump in a cold ocean, if you have those available, cold river. And start working with cold water therapy. Start out with 30 seconds. Mm. you know increase to a minute Uh, Wim Hof is a good friend of ours it's got great cold water therapies and another great friend of ours is Tony Robbins he practices cold water therapy You you can look all these people up online you can look you know and these things work change your diet you want to change the way you're processing life change the way you're digesting life change your diet don't make it a drastic change make it a a simple change drink more water if you drink more water you're more filled with solution and then you're more inclined towards solution try to make your body more flexible which will make your emotions more flexible which will make your thinking more flexible which will give you a greater sense of what are the opportunities it'll give you a greater sense and i'll use the word you use it'll give you a greater sense of hope. Mm. Mm. So these are all some practical ways in which you can change, but what it takes, it takes inertia. Mm. You've got to jumpstart your life in order to gain momentum in your life in order to ultimately be on a cruise in your life.
0: It's beautiful. You know, there's some folks I've spoken to singing that just seem addicted to the negativity you know addicted to the suffering i mean i've had to let go of a few friends that just they just want to complain and uh, what what can you say to that if someone maybe they, they don't even know but maybe if they, they become aware that they're addicted to suffering and and and, and complaining and negativity and they just feel stuck that groove, right? Sometimes it, it feels like being stuck in a groove. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's amazing that obviously it, it speaks to your practices that you went through a scandal that wasn't even you. And then there was, you know, loss of livelihood and then death of your dear dearest friend. And yet a lot of people would, would get stuck in, in a sense of negativity, complaining, victimhood, and you move through. And so, For that person that just feels like in a loop and they're stuck, um, what's one thing you can say to them?
1: One of the beauties of that stuckness that you're talking about is that it's it's also pandemic. Mm. Every one of us is. Mm. Some of us are just choosing not to engage that aspect of our being. Mm. We are all stuck in the separateness, which the Buddha talked about in that existence is suffering because the separateness, being that this is uh, the, this is a soul-oriented conversation, the separateness that I'm speaking of is what the soul's separation from the total soul, or what in mm-hmm. Sanskrit is called the Atma separated from paramatma. Atma. And what that is, is the whole journey of life is to get back to the oneness, get Mm -hmm. back to that union, which is what the word yoga means. And so every one of us, in some regard, is just living in suffering. Every life is just living in that separation because every life is an individual and yet the soul itself is a collective of all individuals and so when we feel very separate we are at the apex of that of that suffering very 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 separate we call it feeling very alone or feeling very lonely so how do we get how do how do we reduce the sensation of that suffering so that we're no longer using it as a stimulation because that's what people that are fixated on the suffering side of things are basically using it to stimulate them. More people can get stimulated by, here's the science of it, more people can get stimulated by the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight system, than they can by the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the system that steps back, takes a step back, and then looks at the big picture. And so, to realize what it is that's going on when you are complaining and complaining and being, and you're using that as a Mm -hmm. stimulant so that you feel alive because you're alive to be able to complain, that is negative and it is very distasteful to others, but it's sometimes very pleasurable to you because you're just wallowing in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, what needs to happen is that you need to get the people that are doing that to take a breath. Well, the best way to get a person to take a breath is to take them on an uphill hike. Mm. So I whenever somebody is extremely negative, what I like to do is I have to say, you know what, I feel the same way you do. Let's go out for a good walk and then choose a walk that has hills in it. And I know you I think you said you were in Florida. Mm. I don't think there's a lot of big hills in Florida, but <laughs> but however, you could there might be some warmer water there. So you could take somebody for a swim in the ocean um, or take them for a walk on a soft sand beach. Now that'll give you a good workout mm. because what you need to do is you need to get the person so that their heart is beating faster, so that their breath is drawing deeper. Because what happens is that you want to change your outlook, you change your breathing. There's a there's a correspondence between every gland and every organ and every feeling and every emotion. And the, the the emotion of the lungs is believing. So they say what you breathe in, you believe in. And the sensation, the sensation or emotions or feelings, whatever you want to call them, of the heart is threefold. At the bottom portion of the heart is hope. Middle portion of the part is will or willingness. And top portion of the heart is actually the French word for heart is core or courage, courage. Edge, courage just means a time of the heart. And so you take a person, get their heart rate up, get their breath rate up, get their breath breathing deeper. And all of a sudden they will stop focusing on the negative, And they will at least start perceiving the more positive. Mm. And the the last thing you want to do is say, stop being so negative, because then they'll want to defend that I'm not negative. I'm just realistic, you know? And they'll, they'll come up with all kinds of arguments as to why they're not negative. Anytime you attack something, it has to defend itself. So rather than to attack the negativity directly, you want to supplement it and supplant it indirectly and that good exercise good movement that's why people when they're you know feeling negative they go to a good dance yes. <laughs> they, they 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 feel completely changed over i can remember as a teenager uh as a musician teenager um you know feeling really depressed about what was going on around me and then around school sometimes And going to a Friday night dance in the moment, walking in the door and, you know, maybe some of my friends were up on stage playing in the band, just having this feeling of, oh, my God, this makes all the difference in the world. You know, you hear the drum beat, you hear the bass line, you hear all this music. It's, It's transformative. Hip hop is hip hop because it's telling a true story. And being able to express that kind of true story
0: yeah. with
1: so much enthusiasm mm. is, is, is equally as addictive as anything else. And it's addictive in a very positive way.
0: Mm. Love it. Beautiful. Uh, I had one, one final question, but, but I, I think I have to ask you the other one if, if it's cool with you. Uh, yeah, was, go ahead. Yeah, saying, it. so, you know, hey, it's not every day we get to have you on Soul Talk, you know, and uh, tap into your wealth of decades of experience. And so, second to final question is from everything you've seen walking the spiritual path, and I'm sure you've seen a lot, and I'm sure there's, there's many more experiences and stories. Um, it, I'm going to call this like speed satsang. Okay, you'll get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to mm-hmm. know. As a term I just came up with just now speed set saying uh, I want to know your what you've observed as and maybe through your own experience the biggest pitfalls along the spiritual path for us who are on the spiritual path you know in our twenties thirties forties fifties you know we're 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 kind of walking behind you you've trailblazed ahead what have you seen yeah that you can point back and say, hey, here's some of the pitfalls. Here's 10 of the pitfalls, five of the pitfalls. What would you say? Well,
1: I love it. Um, The main pitfall reminds me of the little kids in the car with the dad and mom Mm. driving to a destination and the little kids, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's the major pitfall Mm. is to think that there is a there there. The spiritual path is a path. And it's an endless path. Enlightenment isn't a place. It is an attitude on the spiritual path. Every single day that you're on the spiritual path is more enlightened than the day before. And so the big pitfall that I see is that... You always want to have something be defined as I've arrived. Rather than, let me just enjoy the process. Let me just enjoy the journey. And in that way, we don't limit ourselves by feeling that we've arrived and then having to look, oh, but there's another mountain that i have to climb and then the second pitfall that is connected to that pitfall is you got to give yourself a break
0: <laughs>
1: if it's if 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 the if spiritual journey is a continuum a continuous you got to be able to take time out mm-hmm. and in taking time out you got to be able to be okay with just being okay rather than being super special or phenomenal, or this day was the best day of ever, you know, this day was just this day. Yeah. And then the, na- the, the, the third pitfall, and I'm only going to give three in this answer just because of yes. the fact that there's time on, on our shoulders here. The, the third pitfall is starting up. After you've realized the continuum, after you've taken a break, starting back up, don't throw things away. Mm. You might want to redesign some of them, Mm. but don't throw anything away. Everything has a use. Even if it's just to be recycled, it can be reused in a recycled form. And so I look at the world of spirituality very much like I look at the world of ecology. Recycle everything. Mm. Make everything useful. Use it to its fullest extent. Then repurpose it. And when you reach the end of its ability to be repurposed, Mm. recycle it consciously. That has to do with ideas. That has to do with your energy. That has to do with the way, for example, you said you had to, you know, you've had to sort of take a break from some of your friends because they, you know, they're so negative. What you want to, yeah, and, and I'm sure that you do this, what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to, let's repurpose friendship mm. and you can do that within yourself. You don't have to take that up as a conversation with them. Mm. I'm going to repurpose this friendship. I'm actually just going to take a step back and let this friendship you know, be on a timeout for a little bit. And then I'll reconnect when there's not all of this stuff in our faces.
0: Yes, yes. Beautiful. I love it.
1: I so love those it. are three pitfalls that I work yeah. with.
0: I love it. Uh, final question. Some, there might be some overlap. And if, if there is, that that's cool too. Um, if there were three Specifically, if you were to reflect on your life, three of, let's say, your, your deepest learnings uh, as a father, as a husband, as a human, as a author, spiritual teacher, um, soul on the path. Uh, maybe if these were the three most important things you feel you've learned in your lifetime, that if you could only pass these three key wisdoms to the next generation that you feel would evolve the next generation the most. Um, I'm curious what those would be.
1: Beautiful. Three wisdom seeds
0: to be yes. planted. Yes.
1: And I'm not going to put this in order of importance because no. I think that I think that there's far more than three but we don't have forever uh, on this podcast. So three is a good number. Um, So, I'm not putting this in order of importance, but I am going to say that one of the three seeds has directly to do with the physics of infinity. Mm. And that is that everything is always everywhere. And so, and that connects to what I would say is the second, which is Newton's third law of motion. For every action, there is an equal. Reaction. Mm. So if I put these two together in a great moment, I must prepare for the reaction to the great moment. Mm -hmm. In the horrible moment, I must be ready to welcome in the polarity of the horrible moment, which is a wonderful, great moment. right? Mm -hmm. So I work with this on a consistent basis. And the third thing that I would pass along as a wisdom seed is that all of my relationships, Mm. whether they're pleasant or unpleasant, have reason for being within my life. Mm. And this is like, if I am painting, my father was an incredible fine artist, if I am painting I will use some very, very dark tones to portray the shadows. These shadows are not going to be the main feature of my painting. But without these shadows, the main features of my painting have no perspective. Mm -hmm. And therefore, without the things that are unpleasant. My pleasantries don't have their fullest perspective. It becomes, it lacks dimension. Yes. And so what I want to be able to do is to share in every moment with enthusiasm, whether it's a moment of the darker shadows that are going to give me perspective or it's the moments of the greater light. And those are three very closely related to each other. Mm.
0: I love it. Really appreciate your three wisdoms and uh, sharing some of the pitfalls on the path. And, you know, Guru Singh really uh, feel blessed and grateful to just be in conversation with you. And for us all to learn, it's been an amazing conversation. And honestly, I feel like, wow. I feel like we're just getting warmed up, you know? Yeah, uh, we are. <laughs> I, I, I would lo- if you're open, uh, I'd love to have you back for a part two because I've got so many more questions swirling and there's such a depth of richness and that you bring to each uh, question that if you're open, we'd love to have I you am back. Open. To. That'd be amazing. I am open to that. That'd be amazing. Okay, folks, you heard it. Part two, we're coming with the amazing Guru Singh. Uh, Guru Singh, what's the best way people can find out about you and your work and just get connected to you?
1: Well, we run, uh, we run 200 hour trainings, which run over, over 16 weeks each. So that's Mm. four months. Um, and we dive deep into, and we hold the hands of all participants. You don't need to be advanced. It's very much like a martial arts class where you have the beginners and the advanced students all on the same floor and the advanced students are helping the beginners and the and the beginners are helping the advanced to remember that they once were that way themselves and they they need to be you know uh, aware of that and so that is kundaliniuniversity.com and also uh, there's a daily prayer that we put out there's all kinds of videos my my website is gurusing.com My social media is under the moniker of Guru Singh Yogi, um, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. And um, the the main thing that, and and we have also Kundalini Foundation, which is an online classroom that I teach and other teachers teach through Kundalini Yoga. Um, So I would say that all of these are ways of getting in touch um, follow any one of them and they will all lead to each other mm-hmm. and um, we're in the midst of, um, of uh, registering for a March course and then there's going to be another course starting in July-August time uh, zone and, um, and, and they're so comprehensive these courses are so comprehensive uh, they uh, we have large group discussions, we have small group discussions We have over 500 pages of manual. We have over 200 videos. It's just—it's a data-rich course and a dive into sort of the mechanics of how to live in a healthy way, how to live in a conscious way, and and how to live in a joyful way.
0: Sounds amazing! Really amazing, folks. I want to encourage you all to check out KundaliniUniversity.com. Uh, and find out more about Guru Singh's work. GuruSingh.com. We'll post all of the the links in the show notes. Guru Singh, it's been a privilege. It's been an honor. I'm already looking forward to part two of our conversation. Stay blessed, everyone. You. Told you this was going to be a, an amazing interview, full of richness. Uh, hopefully, you took some great notes. I've taken many amazing notes and. Send me an email, folks, cooblaxon at KoopLaxon.com. I want to hear about your key insights and takeaways from today's episode and uh, lots to apply. Share this uh, episode with everyone you know. Thoroughly encourage you to also check out Guru Singh's work uh, on his websites as well. Until next week, sending you much love, big hugs and love now.